Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, multiple Raiders take home AFC Player of the Week honors. Darren Waller, he speaks to the media. You'll hear a few sound bites from him. Plus, it's Thursday, so you know what that means. Crossover Thursday, playoff edition. James Rapine and Jake Liskow from Locked On Bengals will join the show to talk Saturday's wildcard matchup between the Raiders and the Bengals. All that's coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast for Thursday, January 13th, 2022. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders, win. part of the Locked On Podcast Network, Just win. your team Just every win. day. Just win. Your win is a Raider, pillaging just for fun. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Raider Nation, thank you so much for making the show your first listen each and every day. And remember, you can find the Locked On Raiders podcast free and available on all platforms. Let's jump into the teeth of the show right now. News and notes here in this segment. And off top, woke up on Wednesday morning and found out Max Crosby and Daniel Carlson both won AFC Player of the Week honors. Of course, Max Crosby, defensive end, he won Defensive Player of the Week for the AFC. He recorded six tackles, three tackles for loss, three passes defense, and two sacks in the Raiders 35-32 win over the Chargers to secure a playoff berth. He has three games with at least two sacks this season, which is tied for the second most in the AFC. And it's the third Defensive Player of the Week award that Crosby has received and fourth overall that he's had in his career. In 2019, he won in Week 11, 2020, Week 17 by way of special teams, and then 2021, Weeks 1 and Weeks 18. Also, Max Crosby, three Defensive Player of the Week awards are tied with linebacker Khalil Mack, cornerback Terry McDaniel, and linebacker William Thomas for the most ever by a Raiders player, first Raider to earn the honor multiple times in a season since Khalil Mack did it in 2016. And uh, Max Crosby, we know he's been balling all season long, so this is not a surprise. He was a guy I gave a game ball to immediately following the victory on Sunday uh, because he earned it. He was a game wrecker. He absolutely was, and I'm telling you, uh, I'm not going to ever say that, oh, he's Khalil Mack or he fills the void of Khalil Mack because you could always use a Khalil Mack on your team, right? He's that stinking good. But man, Max Crosby has been such a pleasant surprise being a four fourth round pick out of Eastern Michigan and what he's been able to do in the short time in the league. And I'll tell you right now, based off what he did this season, Mad Max Crosby is about to get paid. So uh, look for that to happen in the offseason. But shout out to Max for earning another Defensive Player of the Week award. How about on the special team side of things? Daniel Carlson, field goal kicker. He converted all five of his field goal attempts, 24, 31, 40, 47, and 52 yards, making him the only player in the league this season with two games of five made field goals. It's his sixth special teams player of the week award and fourth this season. In 2018, he got it in week 11. 2020, week one. 2021, weeks two. Weeks 12, week 17, and week 18. So Daniel Carlson, he got a contract extension earlier this season, a four-year contract extension. Him and punter A.J. Cole both received those at the same time, and clearly it was well worth it. Carlson's sixth player of the week award are the second most by a Raiders kicker, only trailing Sebastian Janikowski, who did it seven times, and he's the first kicker ever to win four player of the week awards in one season. So shout out to Raiders kicker Daniel Carlson, who's doing the damn thing, and uh, he's always one of the factors in my keys to victory for the Raiders. And really has been a big factor uh, all season long. But in this four-game winning streak, he's really come through like the first of the month. So shout-out to Daniel Carson and also Max Crosby for both representing the Raiders as AFC Players of the Week Award for Week 18. 
Also on Wednesday, defensive coordinator Gus Bradley, offensive coordinator Greg Olson, defensive back Casey Hayward, and tight end Darren Waller all met with the media. They had their normal media session. They'll have another one today, and then they'll have one on Friday and uh, close shop up. As a matter of fact, they might not have one on Friday. It might just be today. I think Rich Basacci is going to close things out uh, today. So, yeah, he'll close it out today, and then uh, they'll be off to, to Cincinnati and then play the game, obviously, on Saturday. But uh, wanted to bring you just a few sound bites from Darren Waller. I thought what he had to say was really good about a lot of different subjects. But, look, he's dealing with a lot more than just, you know, injuries and he had to deal with COVID. But he's also dealing with a disease that will never go away, which is addiction. It's something that he's been very open about. And so uh, he brought this conversation to the media session when uh, Tashawn Reed, I believe, from The Athletic, he does a fantastic job covering the Raiders for The Athletic. But he asked him just how he dealt with his downtime while he was away from the team, while he was, you know, injured, nursing that knee, nursing the back and also trying to deal with COVID, how he dealt with that. And uh, his answer is a hell of an answer. Check it out. Uh, You know, for me, it was, uh, I got a therapist, so I talked to my therapist about those things um, because, you know, my disease of addiction, you know, that can have me thinking all all kinds of crazy things, you know. So I got to make sure that I'm talking about those things when I'm, you know, have all that idle time. So I got my therapist, you know, I got, you know, Stay going to meetings, uh, staying in the playbook, uh, working on music, you know, just staying solid, keeping my head, uh, you know, just out of that idle time and just into things that I enjoy and stay into the game of football as much as I can. There's Darren Waller right there talking about what he was dealing with during the downtime, during the time between the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving and the time that he actually returned to the field on Sunday to play against the Chargers, you know, because he was trying to rehab. He was trying to get back, you know, onto the field, but he just wasn't ready and he wasn't playing. So that was very difficult for him. And so uh, that was the answer that he volunteered. So Paul Gutierrez, who does a fantastic job for ESPN, he kind of doubled down and said, well, it sounded like that was really a hard challenge for you. You know, how hard and how difficult was was it and he really gets into details here check this out yeah it's tough honestly because you know I'm a human being at the end of the day and I'm still trying to shed some of my old thinking patterns so when you know when I'm not out there I can think these thoughts of like you know you know the team is balling without me being in there is this like you know am I like useless and it's just like these irrational thoughts so it is it is tough for me, you know, so I had to be willing to stay in the practices that I have to that bring me back down from that place. It's like, whoa, 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 it's not even that anymore. And it's like, you know, I I'm not out there performing per se, but I still have a role on this team. But sometimes my mind can tell me like, oh, man, you ain't really doing nothing like you out. Like, so it's just like staying locked in, like you said, like I have to do that because my mind can take me to those places and um I don't want to be there anymore. (laughs) So there it is right there. So if you ever think that you're having a bad day or you're struggling with something or you're going through something, remember that there's others out there that are going through it as well. And Darren Waller, no matter how much you might look at him and say, oh, man, this guy's made it. He's got a lot of money. He's playing a game that he loves. You know, he's a great story. It's Man, it is never over. It is an everyday fight. And when he has some downtime, that's when it's like, "Uh oh, now what? That's when it's really difficult. While he's busy, it's not that difficult. I mean, it's always going to be difficult, but it's a lot easier to deal with when he's busy. But when he's got that downtime, that away time, that's when things tend to go wrong. And so you got to give Darren Waller a lot of credit for talking to his therapist, staying in the playbook, working on music, doing whatever he can 
to occupy his time. I can only imagine how difficult that was. And again, I can never put myself in his shoes, uh, but that's still, I mean, just thinking about that and thinking about how that must have felt for him, I'm sure that him being back on the field, that was probably the best thing for him uh, more than Raider Nation would have ever thought. You know, of course, all Raider fans were excited just to see him out there for what he's able to do on the field. But man, just a blessing to have him out there being able to do what he does where he doesn't have to worry about that downtime, that addiction time where something could creep into his mind and have those thoughts. And like he said, I don't want to think like that anymore so uh, one more soundbite from Darren Waller and this one's just about the playoffs and how exciting is it that his team is in the playoffs and they're going to be playing a game on Saturday it's outstanding honestly um just being here the last few years I've been around some guys that have been here before I got here around the same time I got here and after I got here and all these people I've known the whole time that we were you know playoff caliber and we carried ourselves and worked like we were champions so to see this happen now um it's awesome to see but I'm also you know, not surprised the least bit that we're here, you know. Uh, I believe that this has been something that's just been a work in progress over the years, and it's awesome to see it happen and to, you know, build that new culture around here. And, uh, you know, I feel like Al Davis will be proud. I like how he ended that. Al Davis will be proud. That's cool. That lets you know how much the tradition of the Raiders means inside that building, inside the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center right there in Henderson. So that was Darren Waller again. Gus Bradley, Greg Olson, and Casey Hayward also met with the media on Wednesday. But that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, part one of the crossover edition. We'll be talking all things Bengals offense with Jake Liskow and James Rapine, host of Locked On Bengals. That's coming up in segment number two. Before I get to that though I do want to tell you about Built Bar and it is the new year and there's always New Year's resolutions that come with a new year and one of them for many people is to eat a lot better eat a lot healthier that means no late night snacks that means no late night candy bars that means no hey I'm at work and I I need something to to eat real quick let me go ahead and grab a candy bar no 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 Go grab you a Built Bar. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's really good and uh, has a lot of great flavors to choose from, which is unusual, but it's good for you. That is the main key is that it's really good for you. They have all kind of different flavors to choose from. Ruby Chocolate Built Bar Puffs, Lemon Dip Cheesecake Built Bar Puffs. Of course, they have the original Built Bars, the Coconut Brownie Chunk, Caramel Almond Delight, uh, Caramel Macchiato Eggnog, just to name a few. It doesn't really matter. They have all kinds of different uh, flavors to choose from. They're very, very low in calories. They're high in protein, and they're low in sugar. So it's a great snack. You won't feel bad later. You're just going to have a great taste in protein bar. Uh, that's going to be really good for you. So uh, check it out today, Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. You'll save 15% off your order when you go to check out. Again, Built.com, promo code LOCK15. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Of course, it's Crossover Thursday, so we got to jump into part one of the conversation talking all things Cincinnati Bengals. Now, of course, this is the second time this has happened this year. The Raiders played the Cincinnati Bengals earlier in the season and lost at Allegiant Stadium. Now they're traveling to Paul Brown Stadium. So uh, now it's time to bring on Jake Liskow and James Rapine, host of Locked On Bengals. And uh, we're going to jump right into the conversation and start talking about the excitement of the fan base. All right, here we go. James, Jake, it's time to talk Bengals, Raiders, Bengals, wild card. 
Two teams that haven't been in the playoffs for a while. Raiders since 2016. I believe the Bengals since, what, 2015 was the last time that they were in the playoffs? 2015. So, what is the buzz just with the fan base? Let's start with the fans because I know Raider Nation is fired up for this game on Saturday. What has been the buzz about this game that's going to take place at Paul Brown Stadium? Uh, It's wild right now q uh it's uh there's there is a buzz that's a good way to describe it and i think it's not just a buzz amongst the the fan base uh, i think you can feel it uh, with the players whether it's in practice when i'm 100 feet away and i have to observe in in you know the cold weather at paul brown stadium uh, or just through zoom right. talking to these guys they're excited but they're not like too hyped i think it's the right amount of excitement which uh, you do worry about with a young team, but uh, yeah, certainly excited. At the same time, I don't think it's a "oh, they're happy to be here" right type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and the fans feel the same way with Joe Burrow under center and these weapons and the way the defense is played. I think they have a real. Uh, I think the fans think that the Bengals have a real shot to make a run here, and certainly the players and coaches do too. So uh, there's a, a buzz for sure. Well, I mean, you get to the playoffs. Once you get there, it's like, okay, now that we're here, let's go ahead and make a run. You know, you might as well have some fun while you're there, right? So uh, yep. totally understand that approach from the team uh, and the fan base. Like, hey, man, okay, that was great getting to the playoffs. Now it's time to dance now that you're there. So, Jake, I got to ask you this question, man. This is something that Raider Nation has been talking about all week. There is the Bo Jackson curse, the 31-year curse. I mean, that was the last time the Bengals won uh, a, a playoff game, and that was a bad, sad day for Raider Nation because that was the last time Bo Jackson played in the game. I remember that game uh, just as a fan of the team watching on TV and almost shedding a tear when Bo Jackson went down. So how much has that conversation been going on this week uh, with the fans or even the team? I would say there's some backlash when you bring it up. It's been written <laughs> about. It's been talked about in Cincinnati this week, and fans see it and are like, no, no, no. We don't talk about that. <laughs> it's a playoff drought. It has nothing to do with Bo Jackson. It, it, and other fans will tell you, you know, it's, it's about when Mike Brown took over the team from his dad, from Paul Brown, because that gotcha. happened at the same time, really. But I think the other way that, that Bengals fans see it is an opportunity to exercise the demon. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same team. And I, I think for a lot of people, they see it as, Let's put the the curse of Bo Jackson for those who believe in it to bed against the same team by getting a win, right? And so my big hope, obviously, is that there's no repeat. There's no injury resembling what happened to Bo Jackson in this game. Let's get all these guys out of there healthy and happy and, you know, in one piece because I would hate to see another curse come down <laughs> 31 years later. Right, yeah, no doubt about it. And again, just I remember that uh, that game and that play like it was yesterday, and it was uh, awful, and I hate the results of it, obviously. And I think NFL, not just Raider Nation, but I think the NFL hates it because, well, Bo Jackson never played another down in the yeah. league. So, uh, James, as we start to talk about this game, man, I mean, uh, we know that the, the offense for the Bengals is high-flying. Joe Burrow's putting up stupid numbers. Jamar Chase is going to be, uh, you know, rookie of the year. I mean, just incredible. Uh, what has made that connection – especially offensively, not just between Jamar Chase and and Joe Burrow, but just that whole offense. What has made it click so well this year, especially uh, as it led into the playoffs? Uh, I mean, it's a bunch of factors, but it it definitely starts with Joe Burrow. I I think he's such an intelligent player and and not just, you know, pre-snap or post-snap all around. Mm. And so when you look at the targets and or or the receptions, how evenly uh, even the distribution is, especially with T. Higgins missing some games. And if you just look at the per-game splits – 
it's like, man, he's spreading the ball out and he's doing it well. He's not forcing it to chase because he's got that rapport with him. I know that was a narrative midseason. Uh, certainly hasn't been the case in the back half of the season. And I don't think it was in the first half. I think NFL teams saw the preseason and they said, ah, we'll put Chase on an island. We'll be okay. And he burnt them and burnt them and burnt them <laughs> until right. they adjusted. So, um, yeah, it certainly starts with Joe Burrow. But I, I think that uh, Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator, uh, they've done a good job putting Burrow in a position to succeed. And, yeah, there, there's – a flawed offensive line, but they threw the book at Burrow, right? You know, this offseason coming off of that ACL. And he has to make checks at the line, has the responsibility to do that. He's under center more than he was a year ago coming out uh, of that, uh, you know, COVID year where they didn't have any preseason or training camp or anything like that in person uh, or offseason stuff in person, rather. Right. And uh, he's adjusted well. And I think he's playing uh, the best ball of his NFL career and uh, has played as well as any quarterback in the league over the past month or so. And Jake, uh, James mentioned the offensive line a little leaky, and uh, Joe Burrow got sacked 51 times. That's a franchise record, and I know there was another, what, handful of sacks that went along with it while he wasn't playing. He sat out the last game of the season uh, for no no reason, no reason not to play. There's no reason to play him because they already have secured the AFC North, so no reason to add insult to injury. But how concerning is that, knowing that Max Crosby's having a hell of a year, knowing Unique Ngakwe's having a hell of a year, that defensive line for the Raiders is, is pretty stinking good and Burrow gets hit a lot how concerning is that going into Saturday's game you know it's interesting you talk about the sack rate that's 100% true 51 sacks is way too many sacks and the Bengals coaching staff will tell you the same thing and the Max Crosby Isaiah Prince it's not even Riley Reef this time who had a tough time especially yeah. with a spin move that Max Crosby had in that first game that Euro step into spin move is, is just a nasty move he has but that, that matchup is certainly concerning. I think the Bengals need to have a plan for it. They can't leave Isaiah Prince on an island with Max Crosby very often. It's going to go the same way that it did last week when Max Crosby ate Storm Norton's lunch every down, <laughs> pretty much. I think maybe some fatigue played a factor there at the end. There were a couple plays where it didn't look like he had such an impact where they were on the field for like 22 plays in a row. But, you know, that happens. I think that's normal. I have a ton of respect for Max Crosby, but th they, they absolutely need a plan mm -hmm. and and i think part of that plan and I, i've said this i said this yesterday on our show needs to go through joe mixon despite how good joe burrow's been despite the fact that i, I love joe burrow throwing to jamar chase against tyler boyd and, and the the impact that that can have joe mixon loves playing against the raiders i've said this a, a few times this week he's never had a bad game against the raiders i don't yeah. think and i mean he's from the the bay area of course and yep. if something about playing this team seems to bring out the best in joe mixon so the the bengals running game has been a little bit impacted lately but i think they're going to look at this game and see uh that this is a, a style of defensive line and a style of defense that they think they can attack in the run game. You know, they Jake, found success with the the wide zone and crack toss plays in particular that first time around. So we'll see if or how the Raiders adjust to try to slow down Mixon. Yeah, and you know, Jake, I wanted to go right back to you with that because I know that Mixon hasn't gone over 100 yards since I believe like late November. But is that more of a product of him or is that more of a product of that's just the style that the Bengals have been playing and he's fine. They just have been throwing the ball around the yard more. I, I think that he's fine. I think that the run blocking has gotten a little bit worse. They have had some injuries on huh. the offensive line. Right guard has been a revolving door that's landed on Hakeem Adeniji. And I think that if, 
I were making decisions. I, I don't see practices, of course, but based on what we've seen during games, I'm not sure that's a choice I would have made. And I think there's a clear step down, especially in run blocking, although I think he's okay there from from Riley Reef to Isaiah Prince. I think there's just like a scheme mismatch there to some degree. And and you've seen the the shift a little bit where they're running a little bit more man, a little bit more duo instead of all the wide zone they were running early in the season. But I think Mixon's okay. I think some of it is definitely matchup based. Like the last two games he played against Kansas City and Baltimore, the Bengals were just throwing the ball. Right. Pretty much the entire game. Before that against Denver, I think there was a plan where the Bengals felt like Denver couldn't score. They felt like if they got to, you know, three scores, and I guess they didn't quite, 15 points isn't exactly three scores, but they didn't feel like Denver could score. I think they played that game deliberately conservatively, and Denver has a good defense. And so it'll be interesting because it has been hit or miss, I think. But the last time it really hit was week 11 against Vegas and the following week against Pittsburgh. And then all of a sudden they they go to, they, they play the Chargers, the worst run defense right. in the NFL. Yeah. It's playing too high the whole game, and and suddenly they they can't figure out how to run it against Brandon Staley's team. So, you know, I, I think that some of that is injury based, and I, I just think that it's going to have to be part of the game plan to to try to cause a little bit of hesitation. I would say from that defensive line and and make them play a little bit more honestly than just flying upfield every down. And James, does any of the the weather factors, we kind of touched on it a little earlier, but do any of the weather factors going into this game on Saturday, do you think that that'll impact the the approach that the Bengals have? Or do you think that they'll just go in there and play, hey, this is our home, we know how to play in this kind of weather, and we're just going to go play it straight up? Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's going to be the, the thought process. They've practiced at Paul Brown Stadium the past couple of days. They could have practiced on the practice field, but... I think they want the reps where the yeah. game is going to be and mm-hmm. practicing in the elements. I know last, I'm trying to think Thursday, it snowed. They were on the practice field. They Ooh. went up to Cleveland and played, and it was much colder. The The air in Cleveland just feels colder than it does in Cincinnati <laughs> right. with that uh, lake effect win there. So, yeah, I think that uh, they're ready for it, and they'll play straight up. That being said, I agree with Jake. I think that Joe Mixon's going to be involved. They're going to ground and pound when they need to. Uh, and maybe early in the game, especially to try to neutralize that pass rush from the Raiders, if they can, at least a little bit, take some pressure off the tackles. But uh, yeah, I think they'll play it straight up. I think Joe Burrow will be confident. And uh, Jamar Chase, I know he wasn't a fan of the cold weather coming from Louisiana, <laughs> right. but I, I think he's uh, he's gotten used to it a bit. So there was part one of our conversation right there talking all things offense when you're looking at the Cincinnati Bengals and what they bring to the table and what they'll be bringing to the table on Saturday at Paul Brown Stadium there in Cincinnati. It looks like it's going to be pretty cold, but it looks like the Raiders may avoid the snow, which is a great thing, right? So uh, coming up in segment number three, we're going to flip things over and talk all things defense. Again, we'll be talking with Jake Lizkow and James Rapine, host of Locked on Bengals. Before we get to any of that, though, I want to tell you about a fantastic app that if you drive a car and you get gas, you need to have. It's GetUpside. I've been telling you about it for a while. All listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every single time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. And people who drive a lot, well, guess what? They're making a lot. As much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's absolutely no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime you want. Your bank account, PayPal, e-gift card, doesn't matter. Just download the free GetUpside app, use the promo 
promo code touchdown and get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's promo code touchdown and the app is get upside. Also want to tell you about betonline.ag. It is your number one spot for all sports betting all 2022. Just like that. Football. I know college football is over, but the NFL playoffs are right around the corner getting started on Saturday. Basketball, pro and college is going on. Hockey, boxing, UFC, all that is back. And they got your favorite Vegas casino games as well. Head to the website right now on your laptop or your mobile device. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you got to do is use the promo code Locked On. That's how you get started. You drop a hundo in or a thousand in, you'll get 50% on top of that if you use the promo code Locked On. It's that simple. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and it's where the game starts your locked on raiders your daily podcast on the las vegas raiders part of the locked on podcast network your team every day here we go raider nation segment number three of today's locked on raiders podcast time to jump into part two of my conversation talking all things cincinnati Bengals. we'll start talking defense talking with jake Lizcow and james rapine host of locked on Bengals. again talked all offense in segment number two now it's time to switch things up and talk defense how has the Bengals defense evolved and even improved some if they've improved since the last time that the Raiders faced them I, I think it's a pretty similar unit okay in, in all honesty the, the interesting matchup to me again is Trey Hendrickson against Colton Miller I, I think that Colton Miller is very clearly the best offensive lineman on the Raiders I right. think Trey Hendrickson is very clearly the best pass rusher on the Bengals so you know that's a marquee matchup to me I think that the one big difference I would say is that they've got Trey Wayne's back, but he's not even starting. Okay. And so, the, you know, they've probably lost a linebacker since they played the Raiders. Or maybe they haven't even lost a linebacker. They've had some injuries at linebacker. Those guys came back. Mm-hmm. I don't think Akeem Davis Gaither played the first time around. Did he, James? Do you remember? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I think he had just gone out, I believe. Yeah, I don't remember him in that game, but. Uh, I, I think there is some cohesion as the year's gone on, but the first time the Bengals played the Raiders, I think they were there. Like, I think that right. was part of the season where the Bengals defense was playing well. I think there was like a first six weeks where they were struggling and then they had some new pieces, not struggling, but starting to to learn a system and starting to play together because they've had all these external guys from other teams come in. And at this point, they're playing really well together. The, the guy that I like the best on this defense right now is Chidobe Awuzie, who's played mm. like, one of the best corners in the NFL coming from Dallas. He yeah. was hurt. I think it's just a great scheme fit for him. And and he, I, I think I've said this on our show, has had some of the best games this year against Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams from any corner that I, I would I would say in the NFL. He's played really well in those spots. So um, it's, it's a very, very multiple defense. They, they're going to try to move a lot of things around on Derek Carr and and it's not necessarily a consistent game plan from week to week. So don't always know what you're going to get from Lou Anarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator. And it'll be interesting to see how they choose to, to attack or, or deal with Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and, and the Marcus Mariota package, right. which has been used a lot more and wasn't really used the first time these teams played. No, it's been used a lot more. You're right. Uh, and sometimes I agree with it. Sometimes I don't. Uh, sometimes I feel like they force it onto the field, but they have been dedicated to to using that. And, and I feel like, uh, and, and I've said this before about the run game is going to be effect or it needs to be effective for the Raiders. But uh, James, how is how would you kind of classify the the Bengals' rush rush defense right now? Uh, as far as I look at statistically wise, they're ranked pretty high. But consistency is it there or is it not there? 
Overall, it's been there. I, you know, I, I think they they struggled. I'm trying to think of what week uh, against the Browns. Nick okay. Chubb ran all over them. Yeah, and and that's the kind of the outlier game. But overall, yeah, they've been consistent. And I know for a fact that's the first thing when they look at this week. It right. isn't not that Darren Waller isn't a priority or Hunter Renfro. Of course it is, but they do not want to let Josh Jacobs get going and and get you know just because of, of what it opens up right. for the offense. So. Uh, it's a high priority as far as health. They're pretty healthy on the interior of that line. They rotate uh, a bunch of dudes in there. The only guy that could be out is is Josh Tupau. We'll see if he's out this week. If so, you'll see a veteran, a former pro bowler like Mike Daniels elevated from the practice squad. So they have some depth on the interior. Uh, like Jake mentioned, Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson both back, and, and they'll start this week at linebacker. So they're going to fully expect to, to – slow down if not stop mm-hmm. the the Raiders rushing attack and make Derek Carr beat them that being said you know we'll see it's it's much much easier said than done but that is probably goal number one for Louie Rumo and company right no doubt and and Jake you know Darren Waller returned to action last week against the Chargers Sunday night football his first time back he had a couple of catches didn't look like him and Derek Carr were on the same page obviously they're going to try to work to get that that relationship uh, you know back and and get on that same rhythm uh, I know the outsides have been very effective as far, as far as the defense goes for the Bengals. How has the interior, how has up the gut been? Is that an area of where maybe the Raiders can exploit with a Darren Waller or a Hunter Renfro? How would you say, you know, kind of the middle of the field was? Yeah, I think that Mike Hilton, who they signed from the Pittsburgh Steelers in the offseason, has been a, a fine slot corner. I, I think that the linebackers that are currently out there might be a little bit better in coverage than than in – run defense although that that could maybe change on a week-to-week basis but I do think Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are problems for every team in the NFL especially Waller just from a a mismatch perspective Hunter Renfro certainly has a short area athletic advantage over most corners he he sees in the slot and Mike Hilton isn't the best cover slot corner in the NFL but he's a pretty good player he's Mm -hmm. a solid guy he's not somebody that I'm really worried about he's not going to make mental mistakes he might get beat from time to time, but he's not going to just bust a coverage, right? But the the Darren Waller question is interesting because the Bengals have played uh, a gauntlet of tight ends this year. George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews twice. <laughs> right. I mean, they've seen the best tight ends in the NFL this year to varying degrees of, of success. Bottled up Kelsey, uh, bottled up Andrews the first time they played the Ravens and, you know, got gashed by Kittle and, I think Mark Mark Andrews was the entire Ravens offense the second time the mm-hmm. teams played. So you'll you'll see uh, Trey Flowers, who they acquired in the middle of the season from from wait from waivers after Seattle let him go, come in and play the the corner will play a little bit on Waller. They'll try to bracket him a few times with safety and linebacker, and you, you might even see uh, Cheeto straight up go and, mm. and find Waller on a couple of plays. They'll take a varied approach if it's anything like they what they've done the rest of the season for these really athletic tight ends. And I just got a couple more questions for you. And, and James, as far as maybe the weak link, what would you say if you're looking at the Bengals defense and say, okay, if there's an area that the Raiders may have some success, it's this. What would you say that is? Well, if Colt Miller can slow down Trey Hendrickson mm-hmm. and, and prevent him from getting to the passer, it's okay – well, who's going to get pressure, okay. right? Off the edge specifically. Right. Can Sam Hubbard do it? He's capable, but he certainly hasn't been consistent. He doesn't have the, you know, the 14 sacks that Trey Hendrickson has. Right. Uh, so that would be part of it. And then the other part of it uh, had been 
you know, the linebackers. And, and I still think that Logan Wilson, he's back. But three weeks ago, we thought he was probably out for the year mm-hmm. and not playing in the playoffs if they made it. And he, he returned, played against the Chiefs. Tough matchup for him. Didn't play last week against the Browns. So we don't really know what he is right now. Um, outside of that, the other one that I would say, even though he's played better, Bengals fans are going to, I don't know, crush me. He went from like the most ripped <laughs> Bengals player on defense to someone that people have uh, championed a bit, and rightfully so because he's played better. But Eli Apple, Ooh. Um, certainly someone that uh, was a target. You know, He got an interception against the Raiders, didn't he? He, he did. He yeah. did. And, and I he, remember ripping him before, and then he went and got it. That's, that's right. right. God, that's right. And, and he's <laughs> uh, he's really played better the second half of the year, coming to his own a bit, yeah. and uh, is playing com- – he's why, like Jake said, Trey Waynes isn't starting. So right. that's another one, though, to watch because is he just playing above his means right now? Yeah. Or is he finally feeling himself like the first-round pick that he was? You know, it remains right. to be seen. But those are some of the weaknesses that I think the Raiders could exploit. That damn Eli Apple. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. He sure did get that interception, and everybody tweeted at me as soon as he did. He goes, there's your boy, Q. That's your boy, Eli. It's like, man, I can't stand that cat, man. Gosh, yeah, I disrespected the hell out of him on the podcast, and he went and got an interception, and everybody and their mother hit me up about it. But, hey, you know, that's – Any any words to say about him now before the game? I'll make sure he hears him. I'm yeah, sure man, he's so. still not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I probably just gave him bulletin board material. I apologize. But, man, I just can't buy that he's good. But he did get Derek Carr for a pick, and he's playing better ball. I got to give him credit for that. Oh, man, I forgot about Eli. How can I forget? That's the gift that keeps on giving. All right, well, let's wrap this up before I get myself into some real trouble. I'll have Bengals fans hitting me up. And I'll tell you one thing. I'll give the Bengals fans a lot of credit. They are some passionate fans, man. Anytime I say anything that may not be as, as nice about the Bengals as they would like to hear, they let me know about it. So I can respect that. And, I've hey, look, man, at the beginning of the season to now, I've totally changed a lot of my feelings about the Bengals, as many people have. I mean, look. Going into the season, they had, what, under Zach Taylor, about six total wins, and now they're here in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So they're, 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 I got to give them a lot of credit for what they're doing. It's going to be a fun game on, uh, on Saturday, a playoff uh, atmosphere. I'm sure it's going to be exciting. And, uh, Jake, we'll wrap it up with this. Brandon, uh, not Brandon Staley, geez, he's another guy that I'll talk about later. But uh, <laughs> Zach Taylor, like I mentioned, six total wins in the first couple seasons there. What has he done? How has he grown? Why is he being? Why is he at a, you know coaching at a successful rate that he is right now? Before I talk about Zach Taylor, one one more Eli Apple note. Uh, <laughs> he, he he almost baited Patrick Mahomes into I think the same pick Derek Carr threw against him. So it's not just Derek Carr. Okay. Anyway, Zach Taylor, the the thing that he's done well is he has complete buy in from okay. this locker room. This was something that was very questioned early. In his coaching tenure in Cincinnati, he had some veterans, some Marvin Lewis holdovers in particular, that did not seem to like the way things were going. And those guys are gone. That's part of it. Another part of it is I think that there there are some some changes in the approach from the coaching staff, either with new people or coaches just changing their approach and, and their communication style with players that, that have happened internally. And so uh, I think that it's a, a really good environment. Guys are playing for each other. There's a lot of love in that locker room. I think that's a big deal. I think another thing is he's learning. He was a young head coach. He hadn't called plays in the NFL very much. He did a little bit for the Dolphins, I think, when he was an interim offensive coordinator down there, but was an extensive experience. And so I, I think he's learned a lot. I think he's grown a little bit with Joe Burrow, but 
Joe Burrow may also just be doing a great job of covering things up. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to say, but I will say that I think Zach Taylor, when you're in the mix for the number one seed in your conference in the final week of the season, which technically the Bengals were, even though they knew it was a long shot, you've earned some respect. And I I really respect how far Zach Taylor has come and how that team has kind of grown up with him in three years. So there it is. There it was. That was our conversation right there, Raider Nation. Hopefully you have a better idea of who the Cincinnati Bengals are now as opposed to who they were earlier in the season when the Raiders took them on at Allegiant Stadium and lost in a game that I feel like is a lot closer than what the end result was and what the final score was. I think the game was way closer than that. Just got out of hand at the end. So this should be a fun run, fun game on Saturday. I'm excited about it. You got a good preview right there from Jake and James. And coming up tomorrow, we'll have keys to victory. What I think the Raiders need to do to get a win. Uh, Also, we'll have news and notes of the day. We'll have some more phone calls, some texts and calls off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. We'll have it all for you as we close out the week really, really strong. You know how we get down and prepare for a big-time game coming up on Saturday in Cincinnati. And matter of fact, I was going to travel to Cincinnati to be at the game at Paul Brown Stadium, but instead I'm going to actually do a pre-pre-game show uh, at the M Resort, the official hotel of the Raiders. That's going to start at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning to 11.30. I'll have former Raider quarterback Bruce Gradkowski ride shotgun with me and then pass the sticks on to JT the Brick and Eric Allen. And then there's a good chance that I'll probably do the post-game show as well. I'll probably ride a shotgun with uh, JT and do the post-game show with him. So hopefully we're talking about a Raider victory. I do believe that's not 100% confirmed yet, but there's a good chance that that's going to happen. So uh, excited about everything going on around the city, around the team. And this has been a lot of fun this week preparing for a playoff game. The first time I've ever been able to do that here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. So we'll close out the week really strong tomorrow, Raider Nation. Appreciate you as always. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. And most importantly, as always, just win, baby.